This is Paige Hopkinson reporting from the Royal Grace, run by Captain Alex Stranwood. And let me tell you, the captain is not one to be trifled with. Edgar and I were quick to head back to our, uh, his home. We grabbed our things in a hurry and headed towards the docks, the only place an airship could land. I wish I could tell you an exciting tale where the aristocrats came for our heads, Captain Alex swinging in at the last second to protect us, and the ship flying away at great speed with all of us aboard, narrowly escaping death. But that did not happen. Actually, that did not happen by a long shot. In fact, we were fairly surprised. Don't get me wrong, Edgar and I were extraordinarily afraid. We didn't know who could have picked up our signal, and even though we cut it, we weren't sure if the aristocrats had heard and were now hunting us like a sleek black sword-wielding leopard hiding in the shadows, waiting till we felt safe, till we were vulnerable, then pouncing for the kill. But as I stated, that is a phantasmic and thrilling tale that simply did not happen. Edgar and I waited for a while, both of us mute, and then suddenly we saw a dot invade Flora's skies, high up in the atmosphere. It grew and grew until a glorious golden airship appeared in front of us. I'd seen airships before, but the Royal Grace was nothing like the rest. She was a sight I could never forget. Not just because I am currently on her. The Royal Grace is much like Angelic's in the way it looks as though its golden brass structures were carved by the gods of engineering. She runs smoother than anything, apparently. I wouldn't know because I've never been on an airship, raised in Flora's jungles, remember? But when she arrived, a loud whistle of a horn blew to signal her landing. Edgar cried out that we shouldn't do that simply out of fear for something like a carnivorous toucan is coming out for the attraction and slaughtering us all before we could take off again. I looked down, covering my ears from the sound of such a loud, intimidating signal. But when I looked up, when I looked up, my eyes greeted a figure of what real strength looks like. Captain Alex Stranwood is there. You couldn't explain them if you tried. They are both beautiful and handsome. They are both witty and stern. They are the making of a true leader. They are someone you can only admire from a distance. When their eyes fell upon me, I nearly froze in my boots. Then Ricks, the little ball of orange fur, wiggled in his constraints. Six paws in all, and rushed to greet the captain. I'm sure he felt the pressure of their presence too. Captain Alex is one of those people you just can't help but admire. And I love their dress, I have to admit. I've never had the chance to wear one, but they look stunning in the tea-colored dress swirled with coffee-brown flowers. They glowed in the sunlight, just like the Royal Grace. I suppose it is only fitting for an airship like that to have such a captain. Someone who really has just that thing about them. Oh, but Captain Alex has so much more to offer than just a ship. The crew is composed of some of the most amazing people I will ever meet. I haven't met all of them, but his view. There's Clint Redmond. He's the right hand to Alex. He doesn't speak much, but when he does, he's a right proper chap. He bowed and offered his hand to me and Edgar as we walked onto the ship. He's rather charming in a brooding sort of way. 
Although his eyes were wide and it feels as though he was about to, well, not be a kind engagement, so to speak. Then there's the main pilot. Oh, she's a dear. Her name is Hattie Wells and she's the sweetest thing. Apparently, she flies the ship day and night. Not that Alex and Clint couldn't do it, but she prefers it. And as Alex mumbled to me, they prefer it too, since, well, Hattie isn't very good at other chores that need to be done around the ship. I'm not exactly sure what that's supposed to mean, but it looks like Edgar and I will have time to find out. In the meantime, Hattie really is a darling, always smiling. Although, you can't really see her eyes since she's always wearing the largest goggles I've ever seen. The last person we met so far is named Lewis Cooper. He's a nice bloke, but he also seems a bit slimy, in my opinion. No, it's not the greased black hair that puts me in a state of unease, but rather, it seems as though he's just a tad too friendly, as though he expects something from us. Not that Edgar and I don't owe this crew our lives, but something just felt wrong when I shook his hand. Something terribly wrong. But I do trust the others, and since we're all on the ship together, I doubt anything will happen. Granted, the Royal Grace is a rather large ship, and no, no, no. Not going to think about all the possible man-overboat scenarios. The last thing I need right now is negativity. Not while I'm stuck on a boat billions of miles away from home. Oh yes, I, I should have probably mentioned that too. We left Laura, obviously, but we hadn't actually told Captain Alex who we were, other than our first names. It wasn't that we arranged it beforehand or anything, but I think it's safe to assume that Edgar and I feel the same about keeping our identities a secret at the moment. While I want to trust Captain Alex with all my heart, well, after the things I've seen, I think it's safe to say that I know better. Not that I really have a reason to hide my last name. It's not as though it's important or anything, but I figure it's best to be safe. Plus, it would have prompted them to ask for Edgar's and, well, that name would not have gone unnoticed, not by a long shot. Captain Alex didn't ask us anyways, but they did ask us where we wanted to go. And that's when we all sort of stared at each other in what I think is the longest, awkwardest silence I'd ever experienced in my life. We didn't know, I mean, where would we be able to go? It was poor planning on our part. Edgar should have had a strategy. Well, me too, but details. <sighs> there were still so many questions about what Mr. Cadwell had said when, well, on that night. Questions we had no answers to. I simply said to Captain Alex after that not so brief intermission that we would go wherever the crew was heading. And then they said it. Right now, my dear sweet audio diary, we are heading to Cecilia, the largest of Flora's moons with extreme oceans galore. I know we've spoken about this before, but to think that I am going to arrive on that moon so quickly, I, I just simply cannot believe it. 
The means were most certainly tragic, but to think that a dream is coming true is still something to be looked at in awe, which I can assure you is my current mood. I mean, to be honest, while it was a dream I was certainly working towards, I never really did think it would happen. But Cecilia is a moon, which means it's a celestial body orbiting around another planet, in this case Flora, and that means it isn't extremely far. It won't take very long for us to arrive and, well, I didn't really think ahead, to be quite honest. I don't know what I'll do once we land, and it feels like the Royal Grace is moving at such a speed that I, I feel as though I'll run out of time. And then there are these other feelings, feelings I'm not entirely sure what to do with, how to cope. You know, my grandfather is still buried on Flora, and before today I always thought that whenever I wanted to, I could have just flown and visited him. Granted, that trip alone would be dangerous as the Dickens, and I'm not quite sure how much weaponry I would need to survive the journey, but it would be worth it to see his grave. To visit him, you know? And I feel awful about this confession, but I didn't visit him. Not once after he passed. And I thought, I thought I had so much time to do that. I thought that I could just up and go, but now, now that's not really the case, is it? I'll be on a moon. I'll have to look up at the sky to see my grandfather's grave off in the distance. And that's only if we're facing the right way. You really should never take these things for granted, I suppose. But it's too late now. So many things have happened and it's just... It's time to move on. To survive. And if I'm lucky, to live. Perhaps Cecilia has another opportunity for me that I never would have dreamed of before. Perhaps I can truly be the engineer my grandfather always hoped I'd be. And then perhaps, perhaps I can make him proud in his memory and in my mind. I still have dreams and I still have a life audio diary. So with that, this has been Paige Hopkinson over and- Edgar? Captain Alex, what is the meaning of this? We need to have a talk, little miss. Captain Alex, of, of course. I understand, but is there really a reason to be so rough? Edgar, are you okay? Your, your face. He's fine, dear. I wouldn't worry an ounce over him. For now, my crew has the jitters. Anxious, they are. Worried about what some numpties such as yourself are doing on the Royal Grace. But we signaled for help. You brought us on here. Aye, that we did. But you were pretty strict about not telling us who you two twits are. So I think it'd be best you start talking. I'm Paige, and this is Edgar. Oh, no lost names? It's not wise to lie to a captain of a pirate crew. Wait, pirate? Aye, lass. The Royal Grace may sound like a queen's ride, but I assure you, we're a crew of professional scallywags. Now I best be hearing a name. Am I?
This episode of Bosch and Brave was written and produced by Ashley Glenn and brought to you by Blackmore Productions. Paige Hopkinson was voiced by Clover Grayson and Alex Strandwood was voiced by Adam Barba. Like what we do here? Follow us on Facebook, Tumblr, SoundCloud, YouTube, and iTunes. Want to tell us how great we are? Send us a message at blackmoreproductions at gmail.com. Also, we have a website. Go to blackmoreproductions.com to get the latest updates on your favorite podcasts. Well, until then, don't get kidnapped by pirates. We look forward to seeing you next month. Blackmore Productions. Some against the current.